welcome to Sage and Spirit, a podcast designed to nourish your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Anna Claire Lottie, and I'm so grateful you're here. In this holistic wellness podcast, I'll be having candid conversations with others, exploring topics such as healing with plants, food as medicine, earth connection, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, and so much more. Thank you for being here and sharing in this journey with me. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Sage and Spirit. Today, I'm actually recording this podcast intro while sitting outside, so you may hear the sound of running water from the creeks, or you may hear some other outdoor noises, birds and bees, and maybe even a truck going by. Um, But honestly, you know what? It's just too beautiful of a day to sit indoors. So here I am. The wild roses are blooming here in Appalachia right now. And every time I set foot outside my door, I smell their beautiful fragrance and it's such a treat. Um, Just really feeling super blessed to be in this space and in this season and to be sharing it with you all. And if you haven't yet listened to my episode with my dear friend, Sandra Hamilton of Osha Maze Herbal, We actually have a podcast episode, uh, I believe it's episode nine, all about the healing powers of Rose. And Rose has just really been coming up for me a lot lately. So just wanted to mention that again, feel free to go back and check that one out if you haven't already. Also, just a few reminders and announcements before I launch into the information about today's episode. Um... One reminder is that my dear friend, Leah Motlow of Golden Threads is still working on her fundraising event for her upcoming trip to Peru. And she is going to Peru in June. And she sort of has a mission trip in mind where she plans to go and visit with some of her teachers, which are also some of my teachers, some of our uh, Peruvian elders. And uh, she's going along with the Eagle Condor Council, a representative from the Eagle Condor Council. And together, they are planning to disseminate all of the money that they've raised in all the ways that they can to help provide more and more resources for these people of the high mountains of Peru um, in all the challenges that they've been facing throughout the past year, year and a half or so, as tourism has dwindled, as many resources have been harder and harder to come across. And so if you find yourself in a place of abundance and you are interested in donating to this um, wonderful outreach, you can visit Leah's website, wwwgolden threads Or you can go down to the show notes and find the Venmo link there and any donations placed there will also go to Leah's efforts and just make sure that you leave a little note saying Peru so that I know exactly what that's for. While I'm on the subject of Peru, just another reminder that my dear friend Sandra Hamilton and I are leading a beautiful wellness retreat in Peru this fall. We will be taking a group of people, no more than 10 people actually, 
and we'll be spending nine days and nights in the beautiful sacred valley of Peru. Our focus for our retreat is really all about the wisdom of the plants and connecting to the plants, deepen our, deepening our connection with the earth. And um, our primary focus, yeah, is on plants as medicine, deep healing of the soul, cultural immersion into the world of the Andean and Quero people. And we'll be really just spending every day in ceremony and ritual, journeying to sacred sites with local guides and medicine men. We'll be having authentic Quero despacho and coca ceremonies, herbal and plant spirit medicine workshops, hiking excursions, a new moon ceremony, so much delicious Peruvian food. We have a lot of really amazing events planned for this trip. And we'll also be working with some of our closest um, friends and family, uh, what feels like family to us at this point in Peru. Uh, Peru is such a special place and is near and dear to my heart and also to Sandra's. And so we're really looking forward to sharing this experience with others. Again, we'll have a group of no more than 10 participants. Right now, we're almost half full. So we just announced our trip dates two weeks ago and um, the spaces are filling pretty fast, y'all. So if you're interested, make sure you visit the retreat website at www.dancingsagewellness.com slash retreats. And you'll find loads more information there, some beautiful pictures of some of the places we plan to visit. And you can also find out how you can reserve your space or ask us any questions that you have. We love to talk about Peru if you haven't picked up on that in some of these podcast episodes yet. So um, yeah, please feel free to reach out. You can email me at info at dancingsagewellness.com and I'll be ha happy to answer any questions that you may have. One more reminder before I go in today's, into today's episode details. Uh, all of the information presented in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. None of the information is meant to treat, cure, diagnose, or prevent any illness or disease. And I always really highly recommend that you consult with a trusted healthcare professional before you make any lifestyle changes, any changes in your diet, or before you add any herbal medicines or supplements into your daily protocol. That being said, I'm so excited to, to bring you to bring you today's guest, and that is Jules Aaron. Named the wellness mixologist by Women's Health Magazine, Jules is the beverage consultant and holistic nutritionist who bridges the gap between mind, body, and spirit, or spirits, for over a decade. She's the founder of The Healthy Bartender, which is a clean online cocktail destination. Jules is the author of five best-selling books, including the acclaimed cocktail book, Zen and Tonic, Savory and Fresh Cocktails for the Enlightened Drinker. She also has a book by the title of Vegan Cheese, Simple, Delicious, and Plant-Based Cheese Recipes. Another book, The Pretty Zen Collection, uh, or a whole collection of books, The Pretty Zen Collection, which includes Nourishing Glow, Naturally Beautifying Foods and Elixirs, also fresh and pure organically crafted beauty balms and cleansers and her newly released low proof happy hour when she's not writing 
Jewel serves as the beverage director for the annual Seed Food and Wine Festival held in Miami, Los Angeles, and Brooklyn, and works with the nonprofit Locks Farm Dinners in Palm Beach, raising funds for their Food is Medicine Fresh Rx program. She is a regular nutrition expert on WPTV, serves on the United States Bartenders Guild Health and Wellness Committee, and is Thrive Magazine's Bartender in Residence. Jules has been featured in Forbes, Huff Post, The New York Post, The Today Show, Imbibe, Goop, and Elle Magazine, and she's a regular contributor to Thrive, Women's Health, Mind Body Green, Organic Spa Magazine, and Women's World Magazine, among other national outlets. So with all of that being said, you can only imagine she has so much great information to share with us. In today's episode, Jules and I talk a lot about her background and how she became so well-versed in all these different aspects of health and wellness and how that really sort of shaped her journey to where she is today. We talk about herbal tonics, her obsession with magazines when she was growing up, and how that led her to journalism and ultimately to writing these five books that she already has come out with. We talk about Jules's background in yoga, Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, martial arts, and Qigong. And it's really just so neat to hear about all of the experience that Jules has that she sort of pulls together in this really unique way and offers out into the world. One of my intentions with today's podcast episode is to sort of turn you on to all of the different offerings that Jules has at the moment, especially within her books. And we focus a lot on her latest book, The Low Proof Happy Hour. And it's such an amazing book for people who want to go out and be social and maybe have a drink or two, but who are at the point in their lives where they are really maybe um, more health conscious or wellness minded or they're at a point where maybe they want to have a couple of drinks and just not feel terrible afterwards and not get to that point where they're, you know, actually inebriated or drunk. Sometimes a lot of us like to enjoy cocktails and not have some of those maybe what we would consider like less than savory side effects, right? I know that especially as I age, it's nice to have an adult beverage every now and then, but I also really appreciate when I can still go on about my day or my evening and feel healthy and vibrant and not sluggish or tired or any of the other number of things that can come uh, after having more drinks than maybe we can handle or certain uh, different ingredients and in drinks that sometimes might not agree with us. So Jules tells us a little bit about how she actually incorporates different botanicals into her cocktails. And all of these recipes that she shares in her books, they can also be made into mocktails as well. So if you don't imbibe or drink alcohol at all, there's still a place for her Low Proof Happy Hour book, and especially all of her other books as well, where she's talking about different ways to incorporate botanicals into your skincare and making vegan cheeses. There's just so many different, really beautiful offerings that Jules has. So I'm excited to share that with you all today. And I really hope that you enjoy this episode and please check out her books. They really are beautiful. Hey, Jules, how are you today? Good. How are you? Thanks I'm, so much for having me. 
Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have you on the show today and really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Um, I was kind of telling you before we started recording here that I had a hard time choosing what our topic would be today. You have such a rich background and so many interesting um, things to share. I would love to just dive right in and start off with a little bit of your story and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, well, it's a very convoluted story um, that starts uh, back in Montreal when I grew where I grew up. I grew up in Montreal in, in, uh, in the province of Quebec, Canada, um, and um, both of my parents were in the hospitality world. They were. Uh, my mom was a, a chef for um, some very big hotel groups. Um, my dad was a, also a restaurateur. Um, and so I grew up around food, like really good, wholesome food. Um, my, my parents only cooked. We rarely went out to eat. Um, so, um, that's just like to, to give you a little perspective of, um, what I grew up with. Um, my dad also used to, and he was very preoccupied with raising the healthiest kid possible. I was his only child. And so um, he was very preoccupied with um, building up my immune system. So as a herbalist, you can appreciate this. Um, he used to, he used to have like this whole um, set of, um, I think it was like a five week um, herb, herbal um, tonics that he used to make for me. And so like every week would be a different herb or, or like a, um, a, a group of herbs. And um, he had me drinking these constantly, um, which I didn't appreciate at the time, but um, I certainly have a, a, a newfound appreciation for it, of course, now um, these days. So that's just like a little bit of like uh, understanding of where my mind uh, was back then, um, you know, and then, um, I, I pursued, so in school, I pursued um, communications, journalism is, is the degree. I, I, want, I was obsessed with um, glossy magazines, like uh, women's magazines and beauty magazines. Um, that was what I was interested in. That was like my escape. I would um, always page through magazines and that was like my little dream world. So of course, um, it made sense that that would, that, that would be what I pursued in college. Um, and so I did my undergrad in journalism um, and then continued on uh, with a master's in publishing um, and worked in trade uh, publications for, for several years and then realized that I didn't like that, that corporate environment, if you will. And so here I was like a 20 something um, going back um, to tending bar, which is how I put myself through school to begin with. Um, starting all over trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And that kind of began my journey um, into holistic sciences, if you will. Um, I studied yoga and Ayurveda. I studied Chinese medicine. Um, I was very involved in martial arts. And I think that was my foray into uh, the holistic world uh, because um, that's the first thing I studied was yoga and qigong. So it was all the physical first, right? And then that kind of built into um, the more um, esoteric and um, 
energetic um, uh, fields, if you will. And um, so, yeah, it was kind of like this um, almost a decade of just just relearning, rediscovering. I was really just searching and uh, trying to discover myself. I would never at any point did I think that I was going to somehow apply this into um, my career. Um, but, um, you know, I think the, the final uh, point came was when I started studying um, nutrition. I studied integrative nutrition um, and um, the program uh, kind of had a whole section at the end that kind of prepared you for coaching. And so it just made sense for me to start thinking about, okay, maybe I can actually apply all of that, what I've learned into um, a profession. And I began coaching clients and that was like the, the next step for me. And uh, I quickly got burnt out on that and um, was looking for a new way to share this information now that I've had all this information and, you know, found it interesting to, to share it. Um, I was looking for a new way of sharing this information. And that's when I had the, my first idea for my first book. Um, and so that's basically uh, the long version of um, where I started and where, where I am now. So five books later, <laughs> here I am. So. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and really what a, what a rich background. I love how you were growing up with herbal tonics and, and I'm sure, you know, like you said, as a, in a young age, it's kind of hard to appreciate that, but it's so funny for me looking back, I didn't really know anything about herbal medicine until my thirties. So it's been kind of like, you know, a late bloomer fast track sort of situation for me, but how interesting that you grew up with that and that it's later, you know, come back around. And I'm sure at the time you had no idea it was sort of setting the stage for where you would end up and what you would end up doing. And I love the background of the magazines and journalism. I used to be completely obsessed with magazines when I was probably in my late teens, early 20s. I remember I was working in cosmetics when I was in college and on my lunch breaks, I would go to the bookstore, I would pick out whatever magazine I didn't already have and I would sit there with my sandwich or whatever and look through all the magazines and um, you get so many good ideas and also just the beauty of the photos and, and everything else. So I love how you've taken all these different aspects of growing up in your childhood and your education. And you've found this really interesting and captivating way of just melding them all together into what you do now. So um, I know you're the author of, what is it? Five books now? Five books. Yes. That's amazing. And they all have a really similar sort of theme. You're coming from this holistic and wellness inspired um, sort of theme with it all in background. And I'd love if you wanted to just maybe touch on a little bit about each of your books. Was it, was it uh, Zen and Tonic that was your very first? Yes, exactly. Zen and Tonic was my very, very first book. Um, it is my... Um, it, it felt like the right book at the time in the sense that um, I was literally combining what I knew best um, in one book. So I was a longtime bartender. So it made sense that that was like the theme of the book. And then um, the fact that I infused it with so many healthful uh, properties 
um, was the, the, the way it, I separated myself from all the other cocktail books out on the market. So um, Zen and Tonic, savory and fresh cocktails for the enlightened drinker um, is definitely very close to my heart. It's my baby. It's my first book. Um, it basically shows you ways of um, infusing um, your cocktails with healthier ingredients, whether that be uh, botanicals or fruits or vegetables. Um, I show you how to, in, uh, there, there's a big section in the, in the beginning of the book where I uh, show you how to create infusions. Um, and then of course, um, it was very important for me to include a section um, that basically showed you better uh, ways of integrating the sweetener in, in the cocktails. So I show you uh, natural alternatives to using uh, regular sugar in cocktails. And of course, you know, definitely um, showed you how to, how to create cocktails using fruit as a sweetener as well. So, um, such a beautiful that, book. I love, I love just like the cover and the photos and everything. It's really gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's my baby. Um, it's really the first time that I was able to put together, um, just all my thoughts, release all my thoughts on paper. And also, um, there's like, uh, I styled all the, the, the cocktails in the book. I worked with a photographer, but the, the, the styling is all mine. And so that was like that extra creative outlet that I discovered about myself. And so, um, yeah, I think it was, a um, a really, um, just beautiful collaboration and just, you know, um, I'm happy that it's out in the world. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when that first came out? How many years has it been now? It's so it I it, I just had my five year anniversary for the book. I was just oh, telling wow. my boyfriend the other day that uh, you know last week um, I celebrated my well without celebrating I, but uh, <laughs> I, it was the the fifth year uh, of the book publishing. Yes, that's so exciting, and also to look back that it's been five years since you launched that book, and you had mm -hmm. four to follow as well. So are you sort of like on a book a year kind of stride now? It's it seems that way. Um, that wasn't the plan. That was never the plan. Um, but it seems like that has been the the course so far. <laughs> that's incredible. And so after Zen and Tonic, your next book was all about vegan cheese. Is that correct? It was, yes. Um, so, you know, um, vegan cheese was very interesting. It was a very interesting um, project. Um, and it came about from my editor, actually. Um, when I was putting together Zen and Tonic, at the end of the book, I suggested to my editor um, that maybe we put together, like, uh, you know, some, some fun little bar snacks um, for, for, for the readers. And, um, a few of the bar snacks were actually vegan cheese spreads and that sort of thing, uh, cheese dips. And, uh, she saw that and she was like, you know how to make vegan cheese? And, you know, I did and I didn't, you know, like I, I had like an arsenal of a few, uh, cheeses that I, I, that I did make at home. Um, but I, Definitely not to fill a whole book. Um, and so um, she was, but she was um, 
she was determined to make that happen. And so uh, the next book became Vegan Cheese. And so I involved my mom in that book because she's a, a professional chef. Um, and she thought I was completely crazy. Um, her background was uh, she's a, a French chef. Um, so her, for her, this was like, what are you doing? You're destroying like the whole um, <laughs> legacy of real cheese. Um, but of course, um, she she got on board and it was actually a really um, a fun project to um to create that many cheeses, you know, because there's, uh, I believe there's probably close to a hundred recipes in the book or at least 70, like 75 plus uh, additional um, smaller recipes in there. So, wow. yes. So it's, um, it's definitely a, um, a, a passion project and um, it's actually my best seller out of all of my books, vegan cheese sells the best. Oh, wow. How interesting. Yeah. You know, um, I'm actually lactose intolerant myself and there are some cheeses that I can tolerate, you know, like some of the harder cheeses and aged, but I definitely can really appreciate when you get a really good vegan cheese. And I think that that's part of it too, is that, you know, a lot of people have tried vegan cheeses and maybe they're just sort of the prepackaged store-bought ones and they're a little underwhelmed sometimes. Um, but certainly when you, go through the effort and process of making your own at home. And I've only done this a handful of times so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a lot of people in our area here in Western North Carolina that are starting to offer sort of artisan handcrafted vegan cheeses. And it's a world of difference from the prepackaged varieties. And I remember the first time I made my own, I was using the um, reju- Rejuvelac or something. Oh, that's right. Is that yes. the right yes. word? Okay, uh-huh. so I was using the Rejuvelac and um, I made like this kind of goat cheese, herbed goat cheese log, but of course with mm-hmm. no actual dairy ingredients. And I was mm-hmm. really surprised right. by how amazing it was. And again, here in Asheville, we have we have a really beautiful restaurant here called Plant. That's a It's an entirely vegan restaurant and they have a cheese plate. That is mm. always delicious, no matter what time of year. And of course they switch it up, but um, yeah, I really, I really appreciate that. Especially, like I said, as someone who can't enjoy a lot of cheeses, it's nice right. to have those snacky things. And I just love how you're coming to this whole scene that you've created from a wellness perspective. You know, right. I think that a lot of times there's this you know, it's kind of a fine line between eating really healthy and then you want to have a drink occasionally and you don't want to feel bad or you don't want it to ruin all the other good things that you're doing. And so incorporating all of these different wellness, you know, modalities and recipes and everything else is, it just feels really innovative. And I think a lot of people are looking for more of this in their lives Right. I think it was really important for me from the beginning um, to show people that they that they don't have to um, live with lack or, you know, that they have to eliminate something um, to have a better life. It was really important for me to show people that they can live a very rich life without compromising, without, um, you know, compromising their health, essentially. So. Yeah. 
That's such a great point too, because I think that often is, you know, exactly what people think. They're like, well, I have to cut off all this stuff and I I can't have fun and I can't go and be with my friends and do all these different, you know, so much of our, when we have social events, so much of them are based around food and drink. And so, you know, if you're not drinking or if you're watching your calories or all these other things, Um, or even just your sugar intake, you know, it can feel almost isolating in a way. So I love that this is, you don't have to live without, you know, with the lack, you can just come at it from a different perspective and enjoy all these things, just like everybody else. And they're going to feel better in your body. And probably nine times out of 10, they're going to taste a lot better too, especially as you're incorporating these fresh ingredients. And I love how you're incorporating the botanicals and all the different simple syrups. And and even just like you mentioned with the fruit being a sweetener for a cocktail, you know, that's, um, it's such a beautiful way to kind of pull it all together and, and make it available and accessible to everyone. So um, you also have a book on plant-based beauty products and how to make your own. Right. So um, basically the, the next two books were, were a collection. So it was Nourish and Glow and Fresh and Pure. Um, and they were um, the collection under Pretty Zen. And basically the philosophy behind Pretty Zen was um, it was uh, beauty inside and out, if you will. So, um, it, and in fact, uh, when I was writing this, I was writing this as one book um, and show, you know, showing you how you can use the, the same ingredients that are in your pantry for both to eat and to use on your skin. Um, you know, that's just like the, the idea of the, the purity behind the ingredients. And um, eventually the, the publisher decided to break them off, branch them off, and we launched them at the same time, um, but as two books. So volume one and volume two, if you will. So Nourish and Glow and Fresh and Pure. So Nourish and Glow is the um, cookbook, the plant-based cookbook. So uh, the unique part about this cookbook is that I'm um, taking an approach of a nutritionist And so all of the recipes in the book are allergy friendly. um, They're all gluten free. um, They're all vegan. And um, it's just um, a health book, if you will. Uh, I also offer um, tips and uh, a little background uh, behind um, the the ideas of you know, the nutritional ideas behind the book. So I I talk about um, some of the uh, principles um, in terms of like food combining and mindful eating. Um, I I touch upon about um, just conscious eating and eating with the season. So I bring up all of these um, uh, themes, you know, for people to explore further. Um, You know, I offer kitchen tips and that sort of thing. So it's just a, a, a nice uh, book to basically a guide, if you will, to have at home um, that, you know, whether you're plant-based or not, um, you can use the, the, the recipes as your sides, if you will, or, or just to slowly um, have less animal um, meals in, in your, in your, um, in your daily um um, dinners, if you will. So, um, so yeah, so that was, um, the, the nourishing glow, the, the cookbook aspect, and then, uh, fresh and pure 
um, as we discussed, is basically the do-it-yourself beauty book. And so again, using the same um, plant-based um, pantry ingredients uh, that we uh, that we uh, explored in Nourish and Glow, you're now using on your skin. So anything from um, uh, body care to um, hair care to um, natural makeup to just um, face wipes and face scrubs, um, you, you'll find a little bit of everything there. And I made sure that the, 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 um, the recipes are simple, that people can follow along, and that there won't be an overwhelming amount of ingredients that you'll have to pick up before you um, embark on this journey. So that was also important. I love that too, because, um, you know, sometimes you'll see a photo or a post of some lovely meal or some lovely drink. And then when you go to the recipe for it, it's like a 20 step process and people, you know, that can be a little bit intimidating, especially if this is sort of a new, um, a new way of looking at things for people. So I think that, you know, I looked through, I recently got your, um, your most recent book, which we'll talk about soon. And the recipes, they're very simple. Um, um, you know, and you can do these different infusions and simple syrups and everything else, but they really are accessible and, and easy and, and they are inspiring. So it makes you want to make them. And just to go back for a second and speak about the Pretty Zen collection, I really, um, I love how it really is this sort of manifestation of food as medicine and also, you know, just like all the, all the little, um, sayings you are what you eat and everything you're you're showing people how they can truly take fresh ingredients from their pantry from their refrigerator put them on their skin put them in their food and put them in these delicious and amazing cocktails so it's so you know you're looking at it from all these different angles but but it really is something that that's right in front of people and that they can incorporate really easily and beautifully too um which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit how people can get in touch with you, but your photos and just like you were saying how that kind of brought this other creative aspect out of you when you were styling all of these different things for your books and working with a photographer, um, everything that you share is incredibly lovely and gorgeous and I want every single thing. So I think a lot of it for me is like narrowing down like where do I start? What do I really want to start with? Um, so that kind of gives us a segue into your next book, which is your latest release, and that's called The Low Proof Happy Hour. And I really love this one um, because as I age, I notice that alcohol has affected me more and more. Um, and I think also, too, that it's possible that as a lot of people start to clean up their diets or they start incorporating more fresh foods and that sort of thing, they notice more so um, how different things act in their bodies and react. And sometimes alcohol can be a big one. And a lot of people don't know, you know, again, they want to be social, they want to have a drink here and there, but they don't want to wake up and feel terrible the next day. Uh, and they want to maybe have more than just one if they're at a social occasion. So this new uh, invention and offering of yours has so many amazing, I mean, I was looking at like the matcha colada and even just your take on um, the classic margarita and a different way of doing that so that you're not using all tequila. So I wonder if you could share with us a little bit about how everything else that you've been doing has kind of led you to this latest creation. 
Yes. So um, I'm just going to say one thing. Um, the The books I write, I essentially write for myself. So um, just on, on on some of the comments you just made, um, it's it was really important for me uh, from the very beginning, and I've continued this throughout all of the books. Uh, there's a there's a photo for every recipe in all of my books. That was really important to me. Uh, the publisher didn't tell me to do this. No one suggested this to me. But for myself, because again, I'm writing these for myself first and foremost. Um, and so it was really important for me to get into my own psyche and assuming that most people are the same. Um, it was very important for me that not only are the recipes easy to follow, that they don't have too many ingredients, uh, that people won't feel overwhelmed. Because again, I'm a nutritionist. I am not a chef. Um, so I always um, mention that. Um, it, it really just comes down to um, creating recipes for the for for any person at home, you know, that are trying to do this without any kind of culinary background or mixology background. So um, now for the low proof happy hour, um, we did this, um, you know, just a very interesting, this is not a new, um, not a new concept. Low proof cocktails have been around for a really long time. Um, but what's interesting is um, I wanted to make them very accessible to people and, using the recipes that people are already familiar with. But the, the most popular cocktail out there is the margarita. So why not recreate it in a way where um, people can have more than one, you know, if they're, um, if they're at a social gathering, like you said, um, why can't they enjoy several cocktails without feeling guilty, without feeling um, the pressure, and definitely without feeling the hangover the next day. So um, that's why it was very important, again, for me to take that into account when I was creating these recipes. So a lot of the, the recipes in the book are um, classics. So I start off with a whole section on classic cocktails um, that have been around for a really long time. Um, and those are like the starting point. And it's a, it's a nice way to introduce a new generation to these cocktails that, that they might not be familiar with. And then I go into like um, the cocktails that people love uh, these days. So margaritas, daiquiris, um, pina coladas, all of those. And I've just kind of reinvented them um, by um, both introducing more healthful ingredients in them and also um, keeping them uh, much uh, lower proof. You even have a beer cocktail, which I've never seen or heard of anywhere. And I love that. And and I have to say too, your comment about the having a photo for every recipe, I, I agree 100% with that. I love that so much. And I have to say that it's always been sort of a, a little bit of a pet peeve of mine when I get a recipe book and there's only like, you know, a photo for every fifth recipe or, or even less. And sometimes I'm like, man, I really want to see what that's supposed to look like. Or I'm definitely somebody who judges a book by their cover. I can't help it. And so when I see a photo of something, I'm much more inspired to want to recreate it myself. And 
Same here. I am not a chef, but I have worked in the service industry for many years of my life, especially when I was living um, in Charleston, South Carolina, which is sort of this culinary mecca. It's very, very hot spot for all things culinary right now. And they do a food, food and wine festival there and everything. And um, so I really enjoy creating food and creating recipes, but I very much oftentimes just go based on my intuition or whatever flavors I'm wanting to incorporate into the meal. So a lot of times that may not have a recipe. And, and when I catch myself like wanting to recreate something, I'm like, I should really start writing this stuff down. So that's something that's becoming a, you know, it's a little bit of a practice and a work in progress for me. Um, but I do really appreciate just the inspiration. I mean, again, I'm like listening to you and also looking through your book right now. And I'm like, ooh, this dark and brewy looks really good. And you have um, you have a cocktail, a cocktail in here called Eye of the Tiger. Mm -hmm. And that one, I mean, they all just look amazing. I really just couldn't even pick like 20 to say it would be my <laughs> favorites out of here. So um, it's really great that they're low proof because I like I said, I want to try them all. But the photos, um, just even like the, the Garden Mary, which is your take on a Bloody Mary, the photos are so beautiful. And, you know, it's again, it's not like this super boozy cocktail, especially for something that a lot of people have a lot of times earlier in the day, um, you know, so it doesn't kind of ruin your day from That's the right. get go. Yeah. Um, but I also just really love how you start the book with all of these different tips. You really kind of um, walk everyone through the process and you really make it clear your intention for sharing these recipes. And I love that you said how you write your books for yourself first and foremost. And I think that that really speaks a lot to your process and to the quality and integrity of what you're putting out into the world. Because, you know, if you were writing a bunch of things that you weren't even going to drink or that you weren't even going to try, and it was really just to like put books out there and make that your goal, that would you know, that would convey in a very different way, but you are, you take part, it seems like in a lot of different events, um, mostly in the Florida area. Is that correct? Yes. So I do live in Florida now. I lived in New York city for almost, uh, uh two decades, but I've been living in Florida now for, for the last five years. Um, it's been a wonderful change, uh, of pace primarily. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a slower pace. I'm by the ocean. So I'm, you know, there's nothing better than that. So yeah, wonderful. Oh yeah. So beautiful. And you're, you're close to West Palm beach. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I am in the West Palm beach area. And I love that you're, you're considered the wellness mixologist. It really makes sense as we're getting a feel for all these different offerings of yours. And, um, I wonder if there are any favorites that you have as far as um, specifically the low proof happy hour, but also just out of any of your books, like what are some of your favorites that you're like, this was one of my absolute best creations, or this is the one that I keep going back to over and over. <laughs> That's going to be a very hard question to answer. Um, I can only um, imagine <laughs> just looking through these. <laughs> Um, that's a tough one. I don't know to tell you if I can, I can narrow it down like that, but, um, oh gosh, um, where to start here. So, you know, um, or maybe gosh. even just like right now, like, is there something you've been making recently? I've seen a lot of these events that you've been at and, Again, I just have to implore everyone to go to your Instagram site, which we'll, we'll share at the end of the episode. But um, 
I mean, they're just stunning. Like your creations are absolutely stunning. And you partner with people who are putting out this beautiful food and you recently had a caviar and cocktails event. Um, So I wonder if there's anything that you've been creating lately that's just kind of like your jam right now. Um, A lot of spritzes. It's hot down here. And so people really appreciate, um, again, a very low proof kind of fun drink that they can uh, drink. So a lot of spritzes. I love to use um, butterfly pea, which has like that gorgeous um, purplish hue, depending on how much uh, um, citrus you're adding. Um, I love working with hibiscus. Um, so just, um, I, I always love, um, adding natural botanicals in my, um, cocktails. So usually they're classic cocktails with a spin. Um, I, I love using matcha, lots of tea and botanicals, um, just to, um, soften the blow, if you will, and just, uh, adding really delicious, unique flavors. And the colors that you're mentioning too, just such rich, beautiful colors, like with the butterfly pea and with the hibiscus, you know, they're just like these jewel tones that carry through. And I'm curious, you said, depending on how much citrus you use. So Mm -hmm. how does that relate to the butterfly pea? Does it change the color based on the acidity? It absolutely does. Yes. So if you, if you just brew a butterfly pea as a tea, um, you'll see that it's um, almost a, a, a blue uh, tint. There's almost no purple in it. Um, and then um, if you just want to do this experiment at home, have like some some citrus or some lemon juice on the side and start pouring and you will literally see the swirls of pink come into play. And so depending on how much citrus you use, the lighter the shade of pink you'll find. So it'll it'll start from blue, purple, pink and lighter pink, depending on how much citrus you're adding. Oh, wow. That's Mm -hmm. fascinating. It kind of reminds me, I don't, um, as a plant person, you might know this too, but um, the hydrangea plant, a lot of times people will say that you can tell whether the soil is acidic or basic Mm -hmm. based on the color of the flower. And a lot of times there will be these beautiful purple flowers, or sometimes they're very bright pink and that's based on the acidity. So it's really interesting how that plays out in different ways too. And I can imagine that as you're mixing at these different events and stuff that you can kind of make that as sort of a spectacle, I would imagine where you can start to pour that. Like you said, I'm visualizing the swirls and, and everything going on. We eat and drink with our eyes first. That's what I always remind people. And so, um, yes, the, the garnishes, the, the color of your drink, the presentation is so very important and um, is, is just part of my mindful approach to both cocktails, my, uh, wellness, um, life in general. So beautiful. And I can't help but wonder, um, you know, it seems like you're at events kind of almost all the time at this point, you have events almost every weekend, it seems. And so how did you really get involved in that sector? Was it with the launch of your books that sort of, you know, got you in the spotlight with that? Or, Or how did you get so involved with all the different events in the areas? Yeah, so I, I think it, it, it started off as uh, part of promoting my, my new books. So every time um, I, would, um, I would launch a new book, um, I would go through this uh, launch period where I promoted the book through events. Um, and then it just became a thing where people were requesting me um, to come and, and, um, and be either the mixologist for the event or just to present a cocktail. 
Um, so yeah, I think it just evolved like that. I'm also um, now uh, the beverage director for Seed Food and Wine Festival in Miami, which is a, a very, very big, prominent um, plant-based um, food and wine festival um, that happens every year in November. And um, I'm their beverage director. So they've taken me, I've been, um, I, I, they've taken me on for the last few years now um, where I, I'm basically um, either creating uh, some of the cocktails and bringing on other mixologists to create um, these really beautiful um, cocktails for the entire uh, event, which is like a, a, a week long event. So. Oh, wow. That is yeah. complete, completely new news to me. Um, I've definitely heard of a lot of the different culinary events around mm -hmm. the U.S. Um, more than anywhere else, but I did not, I wasn't aware that there was a, a plant-based yes. food and wine event. That sounds amazing. And you it's said that's fantastic. November of every in year? November. Yeah. November in Miami. In Miami. Um, well, they, they have, uh, they have done a few uh, out, um, I, I believe they, in the past, they used to do it in LA and in they, I think they've done it once in Brooklyn as well, but the primary one is in Miami. Wow. Do you know if they're holding it this year? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. I might have to put yeah. that on my list. <laughs> it's close to where my, my mom has a home in Florida and I'm thinking yeah. her birthday is in November. So maybe oh, we should yes. just make a little event out of it and do a little trip, a girl's trip. That would be fun. Absolutely. And we can meet in person that way. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so I have to ask you as an herbalist, I have this obsession with bitters. When I first uh -huh. learned about bitters, I got really into it and I formulate bitters all the time. And I've actually, I've started kind of thinking I'm going to have to write a book on bitters at some point mm -hmm. because I have a, a very small herbal business myself. It's a one woman show. I do all the things and I could literally spend like two months just formulating. And I, I recently had this realization where I was like, okay, I can't sell like 250 different kinds of bitters. Like that's a little <laughs> ridiculous, you know, especially just being a one person operation at this point. So I'm like, I'm just going to have to start formulating these, writing yes. them down in a book. And that goes back to the whole, like practicing, actually writing down things as I create them. Um, which is a little, a little more easy for me with herbal formulas than it is just in the kitchen, throwing things mm -hmm. in left and right. Um, so I wonder how much you incorporate bitters into your cocktails, or if you have any, um, bitter flavors can be really interesting for people who aren't used to that flavor sensation. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a popular flavor in our society. So I wonder if there are any that are your favorites or certain bitters that you like to work with a lot. Um, sure. I, I think uh, most um, most bartenders use bitters to uh, balance out cocktails almost all the time. Um, it's it's almost essential in, in a lot of uh, cocktails. Um, so I would also say that the the the, the, that whole uh, American palate that doesn't appreciate bitters, I think, is changing rapidly, um, especially with the with the income of of all these Italian um, cocktails, the the Negroni and the and the, all the different spritzes, for instance, that incorporate Campari and um, Aperol and those kinds of bitter uh, liqueurs. Um, I do talk a lot about those in the, the new book, The Low Proof Happy Hour. You'll notice that 
Um, a lot of, um, of the recipes are tempered with uh, liqueurs and a lot of them are happen to be bitter liqueurs. Um, I also um, do have a few uh, recipes to make your own bitters in the, in the book. I'm trying to find them right now um, to share with you. Um, they're at the end. So I, I have like a, an absent bitters, which is really not um, me creating the, the bitters itself. It's just using uh, absinthe and tempering it with, uh, with alcohol to, to just uh, use as a, a, as a, just a, a bitter um, addition to a, a cocktail. Um, I do have a recipe for five spice bitters, chocolate, chili bitters um, in the, in the, in the, in the, the new book. So I'm definitely a fan of, um, of bitters and I definitely encourage you to create a line of, of bitters yourself. I think that would be fantastic. Um, and yes, I, I think, uh, I think, like I said, um, things are definitely changing, um, in the American palate. And I think people are, especially, I mean, um, we're such a coffee oriented uh, society. So that has already um, built up that that bitter uh, palate in, in a lot of us. Um, so have like the, the craft beer industry has also mm. helped with that tremendously. So I think there's um, you're, you're, we're going to see uh, more and more um, fans of bitter cocktails. That's a really good point. And yeah, as an herbalist who really loves bitters, that's very exciting for me. Um, but you're right, you know, especially with all the super hoppy IPAs now and, mm -hmm. and hops is a very bitter plant. Um, I know some people who make some hops bitters and include them in their different formulations. And I do have a small line of bitters. I, I think I offer somewhere between six and seven different bitters blend, uh, blends right now. And I actually have a coffee and cardamom bitters because oh, of that, you know, a lot of people drink their coffee in the morning, one, obviously for the caffeine, but also the bitter component, a lot of people may not understand really helps the digestive process. So it kind of signals to the body, Hey, food is on the way, get everything going. And it, and it primes our bodies for better digestion. Um, but I am, I'm looking at this recipe of yours for the chocolate chili bitters, mm -hmm. and you have them paired with a recipe called pining for chai cobbler. Mm -hmm. And that sounds so amazing. And, you know, we are in spring here in Appalachia, but I think before we started recording, I was mentioning to you that we're getting ready to go through yet another cold snap. We have this like crazy all over the place um, transition between the seasons here in the mountains. And literally we've had 80 degree days in the past week, and then we're getting down to 28 tomorrow night. So like I said, it's all over the place. And I love how you're like, oh, it's so hot in Florida and we're looking for light and airy and spritzy. And I'm like, that sounds so good. But also considering it's going to be 28 degrees here right. tomorrow night, I'm like, well, this chai cobbler recipe is sounding really good to me right now with those warming spices and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I love that there's just so much that you offer in these books. And um, I wonder if you just have any last tips or thoughts that you'd like to share with people who may be embarking on this new cocktail trend of being more low proof and working with botanicals and plants in that regard. You know, I, I, I think it's just a matter of... Um 
you know, I, for me, it's, it's just a mindful approach. It just, uh, it was a transition, like you mentioned as well. Um, we're getting older and all of a sudden we can't drink the way we did like in our early twenties. And, uh, and uh, in all honesty, uh, the, the younger generation are not big drinkers. They are very much about, uh, a mindful approach to, to drinking naturally. Um, and a lot of them um, prefer not to drink altogether. So um, it, I think it's just um, a wonderful new way of approaching um, cocktails in a healthier fashion where um, you don't have to eliminate um, drinking, just like you don't have to eliminate cheese or you know, whatever else that, that you feel like that, that is, you know, that is like part of you, you know, that you love so much, you just need to take a, a more healthful approach to it. And, uh, you know, and I think that's, uh, if you can take one, one thing from all of uh, my books, and from this conversation, it's really that, you know, um, just have a more healthier approach to life in general, you don't have to eliminate anything that you love. You just need to find a better, more suitable, uh, healthier approach to it, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I love that, you know, everything that you're saying here, it really ties into this holistic mindset, right? Like we're really looking at everything from a holistic perspective, meaning from all angles. So, you know, the diet, the drinks, the cocktails, um, just hydrating all these different ways that we can be more mindful. And like you said, again, not have to give up anything. We just put a little different spin on it and we don't have to, to be in lack or to be without, and we can still go out and enjoy ourselves and our time with friends and different social occasions. And we all just need someone like you in the city where we live so we can have these events staged for us to attend. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm going to call my mom and be like, okay, we need to go to Miami this November because that sounds really, really amazing and beautiful. And I'm such a foodie that I, I mean, I can't think of a better way to spend my mom's birthday with her. <laughs> I'm sure she would appreciate it too. I know she would. Um, we actually just were out of town together this last weekend and we were talking about how it's nice to have a drink sometimes. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, she's obviously significantly older than I am being my mother and she's in the same boat. She's like, you know, I have one glass of wine these days mm -hmm. and I'm, that's it. I'm done, you know? And, um, and so it's like, okay, we have to be really choosy about <laughs> right. what we're going to have because this is this is the thing you know so um so yeah i just love that and again i really appreciate you taking the time today to chat with me and to share all of this wonderful information with everyone and i don't have your um your nourishing glow but again getting back to the aging thing <laughs> i think i'd love to check that one out next um just taking better care of my skin and my body and that whole you know beauty from within is expressed outwardly as well so i really appreciate your perspective on all this and pulling it all together and making it available for the rest of us yes. so if people want to learn more about all of your offerings, I know there's a couple of different ways that people can find you and get in touch with you. Um, what are the best, the best places for people to find you these days? Um, if you're looking for cocktail inspiration, I have a website called the healthy bartender.com. Um, 
all of my hashtags are my name. So Jules Aaron, um, you'll find me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, and um, you can also email me at thehealthybartender at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jules. And Thank I hope that we get to meet in person soon. Yes, I hope you do make it to, to um, Miami in November, and I'd love to meet you in person. This has been an absolute pleasure. This has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Awesome. I've really enjoyed it here. Thank you so much, Jules. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sage and Spirit. You can download more episodes and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. For more show notes and guest information, visit dancingsagewellness.com. Until next time, take care and be well.